Welcome to Ciao Bella, hosted by me, Erica Firpo, a travel journalist based in Rome. Each episode of Ciao Bella, I sit down with Italy's creators, contemporary artists and artisans, designers, culinary experts, heritage brands, and innovative estites, and more who are defining and redefining 21st century Italy. Pull up a chair and join in. Hey, welcome back to Ciao Bella. Today I am back in Rome and I'm in the kitchen, but not my kitchen. I am in the kitchen of Retro Bottega with one of the partner chefs, Giuseppe Lo Udice. Hey, nice to meet you, Erica. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you? Very good. Thank you. <laughs> I, I did hit record this time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so happy to be here. Um, Retro Bottega is one of those, it's actually not one of those restaurants. It is probably Rome's unique restaurant. It's in my opinion, over the past four years, it's definitely changed the landscape on the Rome food scene. And I thought I could sit down with you yeah. and talk a little bit about Retro Bottega, what it is, how it started. Okay. I will, I will try my best to, to, to let you know everything I, I know about Retro Bottega. Well, first of all, Retro Bottega isn't just you. It's no, you. it's uh, 50% me and 50% my business partner, which is Alessandro Miocchi. And we met about uh, eight years ago in a, in a restaurant and we worked together for many years. And then we decided to, to open Retro Bottega, which, is, uh, uh, which was and still is a place of uh, communal eating and uh, taking um, your time to try some, some dishes and uh, just spend some, some quality time eating. So you opened in 2015? Yeah, at the end of 2015, and um, which is uh, four years ago. Uh, now things changed a little, but uh, at the very beginning, Retro Bottega was something where very informal, casual, where you could sit at the chef's counter at the bar and just have a look in, in the kitchen and see what was happening in the kitchen while eating a plate. So I, I'm going to have to qualify that because it wasn't just very simple. It was... And, and it still is. You'd walk in and it was definitely a design space. And it still is a very much design space in the yeah. sense that it's completely opposite what you would say for a Roman trattoria. I think when people yeah. go, I'm going to Rome, and they think of these picturesque things, it's dark inside. To me, it has the vibe of a very cool art gallery. And there are these big, beautiful wooden tables that are community tables, correct? Exactly, exactly, yeah. We, we tried to make really something... up. They are very high up. We, we try to make something completely different because in Rome, as you said, there are, there are so many traditional things that uh, we wanted to make something different. And I think Rome needed something slightly different just because uh, it's nice to have um, traditional food. It's nice to have a matriciana, but maybe once in a while it's also nice to have something different. Well, quick question. You and Alessandro, are both of you from Rome? No, no, actually, Alessandro is uh, very close to Rome. He is half from Abruzzo and half from uh, Castelli Romani, which so is the just top slightly. Half or the yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, ex exactly. Now, um, I, d I don't know which, which half, <laughs> but um, I'm 100% from Campania. Ah, what part? Okay, but uh, from Salerno. But I, w I was just born there and I, I grew up uh, a little in Germany and then I. I traveled a lot and I, I spent a lot of time in London, New York, Berlin, and uh, then I came back, first Milan and then, uh, and then Rome. And I know you guys have both incredible chef experiences. He was with Kripa. Yeah, he you was. Uh, maybe Alessandro has more, uh, more chef experience. Well, 
he has more important yeah exactly <laughs> but um, yeah we 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 spend a lot of time uh, in, we invested a lot of time in uh, in very high kitchens and and uh, at the end we decided to open up uh, retro bottega together to to join to to put together our knowledges and to see what 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 happened and so i, I love this i i love the minute i walked into retro bottega i loved it because i had that reaction wow this is not what everybody's expecting yeah. so how did this come about you guys were like we're done with what people think and <laughs> we want to make something no, different i think a lot of things happened by mainly by chance we when we were looking for a space we we looked i think at about 50 or 60 um, places uh, to see which one was the right one and at the end finally we chose uh, this one here which is very close to the Pantheon and Piazza Navona and um, it's actually something that no one would uh, ever do a restaurant in because it doesn't have a window it's it's very tiny it's very narrow it's full of arches and every architectonical um, disadvantage that you can possibly imagine we, we have it okay and <laughs> you, we don't have a regular height so it's very it, it's very difficult and uh, we we were very unexperienced at the very beginning uh, so we thought it okay it's nice it's very central let's take it but we didn't realize that behind the fact that it was very central there were many many handicaps sorry for, for the word but um, this was also a challenge, and we, I think we went it very, very well, and, uh, and it, it's great. It's great because, it's, uh, as I said, it's a, it's a very big challenge. It's not only about food when, you're, when you make a restaurant. It's about a thousand things that are, that are included in, uh, in the restaurant, so you need to think about the license. You need to think about uh, um, the, uh, the architectonical things. You need to think... Uh, Seriously, a thousand things. Food is maybe the last thing. Okay, the the more the the most romantic aspect. And maybe the easiest. So, <laughs> the easiest, exactly. It is. It is the easiest at the end of the day. It is the easiest, but um, and it it is the funniest. But unfortunately, it's it's not only about food. But I want to talk about food. <clears throat> so why don't we talk a little bit about what you guys are doing in the kitchen? Yeah, because we, you're not like you said. You're not getting the amatriciana here. No, we try to be ourselves, to try to e express our own identity, and our own identity is a mix of uh, whatever comes from uh, from the um, from the um, forage, from the orto, just because the nature gives us something, and uh, we think that we need to use what the nature offers us. So that's why we forage every every week. And forage means that half of the stuff on Monday goes to Abruzzo and uh, forages leaves. So there, you're going out to Abruzzo for foraging? Yes, exactly. We, oh, try, wow. we try to go to Abruzzo as much as we can. In case there is terrible weather, we just stop in the northern part of Lazio, mm -hmm. which is slightly closer. And um, this gives us the chance to, to make uh, unique dishes but unique not because we forage, unique because every week the foraging is different. So you never have the same leaves as the week before. 
that's why we have some unique plates and they're unique for us as well. And this gives us uh, the, the chance to be in constant evolution and uh, to never get bored because uh, obviously you have also different tastes. Every time you taste the dish that you think is the same as the, as the week before, it's actually not the same, it's different because you have an explosion of flavor that is completely different to what you experienced the week before. And we, we try to make um, dishes that are also 100% from the foraging, like we did for many, many months, the crepinets, which is a pork net. And uh, in the pork nets, there is only foraged leaves. So it look, very much looks like a sausage stuffed with only leaves. And um, the taste was completely unique every week and it was uh, incredible how the guests and uh, everyone was uh, experiencing something something unique or something you wouldn't expect because it's something that you you, you find nowhere it's just uh, a, a mix of of the of the terroir a mix of abruzzo in in a pork net you also just reminded me of something when i was a kid my my zia would come from rome to visit us and um, she would, we, we lived in the suburbs, a lot of land, okay. and she would make my sisters and I go out and, and forage. So we would come back and we'd bring back all sorts of leaves, and then she would make this green pasta, usually with dandelion leaves, because she okay. was always looking for chicoria, and there was yeah. no chicoria. Okay. But the taste is very similar, actually. Yes. I mean, it was, it was bitter, and she'd make pasta, she'd make salad, she'd make this kind of, she'd make a crepe that was then filled with... Like, I think it was all, I mean, every day it was different, but it was okay. also, for us, it was always like, we were like, more dandelion leaves. Yeah. Um, but she she was always inventing. And, and then, you know, my, my cousins here in Rome, it's the same thing. They, they live in the country. And so everything is, not everything, but a lot of their meals are about foraging. So foraging is a big Italian tradition. It is. It is very big. And um, I think every grandmother used to forage and uh, everyone that has, um, I don't know, a little bit of uh, the chance to be in a landscape, is, is a forager. Uh, even in Rome, if you look between the San Pietrini, I'm sure you will find some, uh, some leaves. And a lot of us don't even think about it because life is sometimes too fast and uh, you don't stop looking at the details. But between the San Pietrini, I'm 100% sure that you, you can find a uh, little dandelion or you can find uh, portulaca or you can find uh, uh, a thousand other other herbs. So was this, was the foraging part of the objective when you started out that you knew that you wanted to? Uh, <clears throat> At the very beginning, maybe not. But uh, as uh, everything that we do, we start uh, at some point and we try to evolve as much as we can. And uh, foraging uh, arrived uh, maybe one year after we opened because huh. we met uh, a guy that, uh, that actually is an etnobotanico. Well, I don't know how, how, how you say etnobotanico in, uh, in English. I think like etnobotanico. <laughs> yeah, would, would he, be like he, he studies leaves. Yeah, like botany, but etnobotanico. It's a very specific kind of botanist, let's yeah, just say. Exactly. And uh, he introduced us to this world, and we were fascinated about it, and we, we, we said, okay, we, we, need to, we need to introduce this to our kitchen. Wow, I didn't know that. Yeah. I mean, I, I know that you guys... In 
because so I've eaten here a few times, and I know that the foraging aspect, the foraging has, you know, Mondays. For some reason in my head, I, I, I view Mondays as foraging for you. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I didn't, I didn't realize that it came a little bit after. So this, this kitchen is all about evolution. It's a constant reinvention, it, I think. It, it, it is, and like everything in, uh, in life, you start somewhere and you realize that you can evolve and you realize that uh, things can uh, change in, uh, in, in your life. And so that, that's what happened with our kitchen. So we started at a certain point and obviously you start with, your, with the energies you have at that point. And uh, your energies, they, they grow and the people around you become more and more and more. And so with more people, you have the chance to do more. Let's talk about some of your dishes because your menu is... Like you're saying with the forging, but you you might be making the same dish, but it'll always taste different. Yes. If if, if you were to, but you're not always making the same dishes. No, so. no, no. We well, uh, I was saying this because we change menu every two months and we change the menu completely. We have 20 dishes in the menu, which are from the antipasti to the dessert, and uh, changing those dishes means um, for us a lot of work, but for the guests more experience. If you come after two months, you find a completely different menu. And what I was saying before is that if you come more than once in the two months, you have the chance to, to taste a different, right. to do a different the, the, taste just because the leaves change, the but the plate is the same. So what kind of dishes... So just to give the readers an idea of what kind of dishes... <coughs> what, maybe what kind of dishes to expect right now, for example. Well, now we're entering in a winter season, so... listeners, sorry. <laughs> In the winter season, I don't know when you're going to listen this, but at the moment we're we're <laughs> <In> going <winter. coughs> we're going to be in the winter season, and um, this means for us that uh, a lot of cabbages, broccoli, and uh, cauliflowers, and all this uh, winter vegetable world is uh, is coming in. And the foraging means that we have the chance to forage <coughs> for a few more months when it's too cold. Unfortunately. Leaves don't come out as right. uh, as people know. When it's too cold, you prefer like, to stay home. It's and, like root dishes, uh, mainly root <laughs> dishes because a lot of root vegetables grow underneath the earth, underneath the earth, <coughs> earth. And also during the foraging, you have the chance to to find a lot of root things. And uh, and this is going to be the, the menu, which is changing actually in a few days. So now I'm going to get a little bit more vague because I think. People, when they think of coming to Rome, they do yeah. think of the traditional pastas and the traditional meats. Are your recipes remotely based on traditional dishes? How would you describe your kind of cuisine? Well, I, I think everyone and every kitchen in Italy is based on tradition. You have a starting point, with this, with, which is tradition. So, for instance, we make fresh pasta. We have a pasta lab next door. We sell fresh pasta and we serve fresh pasta there but we serve the fresh pasta also in the restaurant which means we have an we have an, a traditional aspect but obviously it doesn't so I mean could have, I could have tallerine or tortellini yeah, you can have here. tortellini here but uh, it doesn't mean having tortellini at Retro Bottega means that the shape is traditional the aspect is traditional the tastes maybe the texture is traditional but the filling might be different and we might fill it with a pesto uh, of uh, wild aromatic herbs that we forage on our own. And uh, so you have a traditional aspect combined with, uh, with our own identity. 
And I know, because I've had, um, I think I've had polypo, octopus, grilled yeah. octopus here. I think there's, I've, I've eaten pigeon here. Yeah, pigeon is one of the dishes that we have uh, every time. And uh, we like the texture of the meat. We like the cooking. And also there, we, we try to experiment uh, starting from a traditional cooking, which is very classical French, maybe. We, we try to find our own identity in cooking the pigeon. And uh, every time we glaze the pigeon, or the, the skin of the pigeon with uh, with a syrup, and the syrup is made uh, out of um, fruits that we forage on our own. So I don't know wild juniper, and we made uh, a syrup of wild juniper, and with this wild juniper syrup, we glaze the pigeon and we cook it in the oven. So that's why every single dish that is uh, uh, served here in our restaurant has our forged identity. So it's something that is uh, unique, but not because we're just, I don't know, some geniuses or whatever. <laughs> we're, we're just normal people, and uh, we like to give an identity to every dish that we serve. But you guys are definitely just normal people. You're really friendly. Uh, there are about 12 <coughs> people in the kitchen, 22 in yeah, the staff. Yeah, exactly. And I know that, the, I mean, the times that I've eaten here, what I, what I love is that, well, I'm very talkative. Yes. But everybody talks to me. And and I, what I find amazing is, you know, you're you're having a nice dialogue because the kitchen is exposed and open. Um, so I've sat at the the bar yeah. part, which I liked because you're talking directly to everyone who's plating and making. And you're also talking to the guests because it's very very uh, what do you call it? Not communal, but it's very it's this It's very interactive. Yeah. yeah. You have the chance as you said to talk to the staff, but uh, it's true that the restaurant is comfortable, but everyone sits very close to uh, it's very narrow. It's very in Italian you would say intimo. Cioè you yeah. you're everyone is is very close together. It's if cozy. you if it's cozy exactly. If you want, you have also the chance to to try to communicate with other guests and and to share the experience. Which, is what, I, which is what I love because it feels, I think it's funny because it's, like I said before, to me this has the, this, the design, this kind of dark gray, black almost. It has this, and the inti- it's very intimate in here and it feels yeah. very artsy, but then you're, but it's not um, intimidating. You're talking to everybody. No, I think that that's the most important part. It's true that kitchen is very important and food is very important. But at the same time, I think that food maybe is the 30% of the experience you have anywhere in the restaurant. The rest is uh, the rest is the ambience, is the people that you have around, is the music, is uh, the servers, the wine. So it's the the whole experience is something that um, that is is uh, is combined of of many aspects, not only food. So food is very important, is one of the most important aspects, but it's not the only aspect. I think uh, you you will forgive if uh, if there is uh, not enough salt in a plate. Okay, but if everything was uh, perfect, you you enjoyed the music, you were with your husband, you had a lovely time with your husband, and um, the servers were nice, the wine was nice, everything was okay. But maybe you say, okay, there is just a little. I I would have put more salt in the dish. Okay, I think it's it's forgivable. But if everything was uh, completely a disaster, okay, you 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 didn't enjoy the night. The food was okay, but and and at the end you said, okay, and. And last thing, there was not enough salt. You would experience it as a, as a terrible thing. Okay? Exactly. So I think food is important, but the whole atmosphere and everything, but not only here with us. I think every, everything you do in the world, even if you're in the post office and you're waiting in line to, to be served for, for uh, I don't know, for paying your bill, 
and it's it's an experience. If 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 in the post office there is a nice music, and as soon as uh, as uh, it's your turn, you're welcomed nicely, and uh, everything is fast. It's a nice experience. It, it, everywhere, everything you do needs to be or can be done in a nice way or in a bad way. And I personally think that in a nice way, it's, it's better, it's nicer. It's, everyone enjoys it more. Well, I think you guys also managed <coughs> to throw in a lot of fun this summer. I don't, are you still doing the um, 20 Bytes? Yes, yes, yes. yes. Okay, and now, so yeah, when, when you came um, and, and you had the 20 Bytes, it was at the very beginning. Now I think things um, changed. We, we, I think we managed to, to make it a bit nicer. So well, let's first talk about it. I mean, the whole reason why I came for 20 Bytes is because the design. So I, I received this little invitation. And it said 20 bytes retro Bottega. So already retro Bottega, I was like, ooh, I'm curious. But then you had the Pac-Man. It was Pac-Man. Yeah. And I thought, I'm, I have to eat there because I love Pac-Man. <laughs> and that looks so funny. So let's talk a little bit about what 20 bytes is. 20 bytes is, uh, gives you the chance, since we change the menu every two months, and uh, maybe you don't have the chance to to come and visit us at the restaurant for more than one time uh, every two months. 20 bytes gives you the chance to eat the whole menu in one shot. So it means you you have a seat, and we start from the very first antipasti to the last dessert, okay, which are 20 courses, and you eat them all in a very tiny little version. And they're paired with... Um, yeah, exactly. If, you, if you're happy to do that, or if the guests are happy to do that and trust us on the wine, uh, we pair them with uh, not only wine, but with drinks in general. So, so I think we had, like, <coughs> did we have kombucha? <coughs> yeah, you had kombucha, and kombucha is something we do always. We have always a kombucha in-house. And kombucha is, uh, I think, I personally think, a nice way to reset your palate because it's something that cleans your palate and gives you a, a very fresh taste. And we usually serve kombucha at the very beginning to every guest that, ha that uh, sits down uh. Uh, to, reset, to reset their palate. Okay? It's a welcome for, from our side to someone to, re to refresh the palate. And uh, after the kombucha, you can uh, start with whatever you want. Because uh, I think it's a nice way to give a welcome. It's, uh, it's something that uh, shows you that uh, we care about you and that we are happy that, you're, that you came uh, to visit us. And uh, we, I think as Italians, uh, we are a, a population that is uh, very grateful, that is very, I don't know, very welcoming. And uh, we, we don't need to forget about it. Uh, we need to be welcoming with, with everyone. And Now let's talk about a new endeavor that I'm so excited to test out. And actually now I was, I was thinking about dinner tonight and now I thought... Uh, uh, yeah, you should come tonight. For uh, that's, what, that's what I'm thinking. <laughs> um, so Giuseppe was saying, so we're sitting here in Retro Bottega. Yes. Next door is Retro Pasta, yes. which is the pasta lab where you, I think you said 10 people, can, you can have lunch. Yeah, it, Pasta Lab is just for lunch and uh, you can have a seat, 10 people, and you eat the pastas that we make in, um, you choose the portion. And the portions are per gram. Oh, you so can I say, can be like unetto. Yes, exactly. You say, I would like... Uh, and there, we are very traditional. So you eat cacio e pepe, you eat matriciana, you eat ravioli, ricotta e spinaci. Very, very uh, traditional Italian uh, fresh pasta dishes that are served in a very simple, traditional way. And you can eat as much as you want because you say how many grams and how many portions. And um, this works only for lunch, which is <clears throat> for us very nice because we serve a lot of people that work around us. And um, 
if someone wants to eat at Retro Bottega but would like to have something very traditional, that's that's the place where you can have it. And I love the idea that you, I'm, I feel like my, my zio, I have to take my zio there because he's the kind of man that knows exactly how many eggs <coughs> of pasta and which pasta when he wants it. Okay. Now, you just opened, which is what I'm going to go have to test out this week. Yeah. Um, Retrovino. Retrovino. And yeah. I'm just going to say, Giuseppe told me, I just took a quick walk through. It's a beautiful little spot um, lined with wine bottles. Again, very, it looks like an art gallery yet again. Um, but I thought it was so funny when I said, okay, what kind of wines? Are they natural? And you said, wines, we, only, we, we serve <laughs> natural and... Now we serve, we, we serve two, well, we serve one type of wine. I think in that the world... Just say it, please. <laughs> I love this. In the, in the world, there is uh, two types of wine, uh, for, for my point of view, obviously. Uh, one is uh, good wine and one is bad wine. And we try to serve only good wine. So we buy only good wine that we think is good. The wine that we don't like, it's, it's not bought by us, so you cannot find it. I think that, uh, that that's the way to see it. And there is no distinguishment between natural and non-natural, just because um, that's, that's my point of view. Obviously, don't, don't take it too serious. But uh, natural doesn't mean anything. And uh, natural, everything is, is natural and everything uh, is non-natural because uh, na natural is just a grape. And you can, you can be natural in producing the wine, but uh, once you put it in the bottle, it's not a natural thing. It's a mechanical thing, okay? And, uh, but it's, as I said, my point of view. And uh, I love to drink uh, a lot of wine and I love uh, the wine that we serve. And some of them are a bit extreme, Okay, a, a bit unconventional, like and what? some are more conventional. Uh, for example, looking at the list that we have at the moment, between the sparklings, Paltrinieri, uh, we are in Emilia-Romagna, and I know you have been to Modena uh, recently. It's a Lambrusco. Yeah, it's a Lambrusco from uh, Sorbara, mm -hmm. uh, but it's a Lambrusco vinified in white, so it's, uh, it's, it has a rosé color, sparkling, and it's beautiful uh, for an aperitivo. Uh, and I like it a lot. Uh, then we have uh, a Metodo Classico Casa Caterina, which is in the Franciacorta area, but he, uh, they don't follow the disciplinary of Franciacorta, uh, which is uh, absolutely beautiful. It's a Pinot Meunier and uh, Pinot Nero with the 36 months on the yeasts. And, uh, for example, we have between the whites a lot of uh, interest. We have Dario Princic uh, from uh, Friuli, which, is, has a, which does a little maturation, no? a little skin contact. So it's an orange wine, very, very nice. Oh. Tenuta Dettori, which is a Renosu. Uh, his, uh, sorry, his Renosu. It's uh, a Vermentino and Moscato di Sennori, the two grape varieties uh, of this wine. And all these ones are classified and can be classified as natural, but I like to call them good wines, wines that I love to drink. How many, I, I know, so this, <coughs> your, this is your wine list, your glass. This is by glass the glass. At the all. moment we have 25, 25 options by the glass. And does this change every two months as well? Uh, no, um, faster. This change every week, more or less, because oh. uh, we buy, obviously, these are quantities, these are wines that they don't produce, a mass, they, they don't have a mass production. Okay. They're all little wine, wine um, productions, and uh, that's why we, we have them maybe for a, few, for a few weeks, and then we change it, and uh, that, that's the nice thing. You, when, whenever you come for a glass, you always find new things, and uh, I think that's the most important thing. Is it open every day? the week? Yes, every day and it follows the, the restaurant. So from midday uh, until two o'clock in the night. Well, the restaurant closes slightly earlier, 
but you can have a drink until two o'clock in the night. Now tell me a little bit about the menu, because I just took a quick look and... Um so the main focus is wine, obviously, because it's a wine bar. But um, wine, only wine is maybe a bit too much. You need something to eat, just to drink more. Uh, and um, we have a selezione di salumi e selezione di formaggi, which uh, are um, a must-have in a wine bar. And besides that, we have uh, uh, still our foraging, and we put our foraging under oil and under vinegar. Mm -hmm. So you have some preserved pickles and uh, some um, preserved uh, selection of... Um, of marinated vegetables and at the same time we have about 10 small plates tapas style uh, which we serve uh, well actually not tapas maybe is uh, is uh, they are slightly bigger so with with two of these dishes you i think you're you should be fine i could eat all of these dishes yeah you, you the, should the, the tonight to sh tonight with your husband you should eat them all <laughs> i'll eat every single one he will not eat the lingua mm -hmm. but i will and I will have that pastrami sandwich. Yeah. Which I just when you had me at pastrami, I like I'm I'm a. I love pastrami. I I used to live in New York, and I think in New York there are so many nice places, and especially Katz is uh, one of Katz the Deli, the, the yeah. places I like the most. And I said to Alessandro, if we open a wine bar, we need to have pastrami. If we don't have pastrami, I I, I won't open the bar. Where are you getting your pastrami from? No, we we make it in house. You guys are making it. Yeah, we we try to. We I think it's a nice pastrami. Obviously. We, I, I don't know, Let, let's, let's say, come and visit us so you can tell us if the pastrami is okay or not. You are a man after my own stomach because <laughs> I, I, if I were to open anything, I have to have a pastrami sandwich. Whether it's a wine bar or an art gallery, there always has to be a pastrami, pastrami sandwich. Pastrami is, is a must. Without pastrami sandwich, the world is, uh, would be a terrible place. It would be a terrible, terrible place. Well, Giuseppe, I just have a few other questions for you. And yeah, go pretty, ahead. And pretty, pretty easy. The first question is simply... You know, I feel like there is a little bit of a movement going on with, in Rome a little bit with the, these new, I would say, almost conceptual restaurants that are pushing the, or changing um, how people feel about, or how, what people think about Rome restaurants. How do you feel about that? Do you think that there has been a little bit change in Rome? Or? There, there, there is, uh, there has been a, a lot in Rome, and I'm very happy about it because I think that traditional places are absolutely amazing. But it is nice, and uh, it it should be something. Uh, I don't know. I'm misson incastrato. Uh, <laughs> no, I think it's it's important to have things that are slightly different to traditional trattorias. Tradition. Everything that you do, you should do it with passion. And if your identity and if you yourself, you don't feel like opening another trattoria, then you should open something that, that makes you feel okay, that makes you feel alright, and that makes you happy with what you're serving. Obviously, there are so many difficult aspects about opening a restaurant, and that's why I think it's... Uh, Many many young guys don't open a restaurant because it, it's hard. It's too difficult to open in Rome. It's 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 nearly impossible because the bu bureaucracy is uh, is endless. Well, it's a good thing you guys are so young. And you yeah, we <laughs> the, I I invite a lot of people to do it because the city center of Rome needs it, and uh, the 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 city center at the moment is experiencing. Uh, una crisi, a recession. There are so many empty spaces, and I think with some nice, fresh uh, minds, 
uh, this Rome could be an, an amazing place in the world, and uh, it, it, we 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 need to work for that because Rome is a is a very important city, and uh, it it is nice that we have so many historical sites, but we we cannot live only about the historical sites. We need to make some new things. We we need to to tell our own uh, new history not not only about the colosseo and which which is amazing i, no, I love it i think it. you're absolutely right because i think what a lot of people forget when they come to rome is they forget that rome is a living city it's not just its past it's uh, exactly. a contemporary city no it is a contemporary city and we should treat rome like a contemporary city rome is uh, should be similar to london rome should be similar to every big city around the world, every capital in, in the world. So R Rome should be a, a modern capital city. Can I ask you if you had two or three favorite things to do in Rome when you have friends? Because you're from Salerno. Yeah. When your friends come here, what do you think, what, if you have two or three <coughs> favorite things to do or eat in Rome, what would they be? Oh, two <laughs> or three maybe are not enough. Okay. But uh, I would say 100% you should go and uh, eat, uh, probably roscioli and um, any, anything of, uh, of roscioli. It's my absolute favorite place in, uh, in Rome, eating-wise. Uh, otherwise, I, I love... Uh, well, it's, it's, a, it's a tough question. You, uh, I, let I, me think two seconds. Let me think two, th two seconds. I'll just... Um I'll just look at the painting behind you. <laughs> no, I know there's so much here. And, um, and it's interesting because I think you have such a great appreciation for this city. And when, when you opened in this particular neighborhood, you know, there's the Caravaggio down the street. Yeah. You know, the Pantheon, the Piazza Navona. It's, and I was like, I can't believe this kind of restaurant opened in this area that usually relies on its historic tourism, you know, or, the, or sure. its art it's so heavy with culture, but culture from 500 years ago, 400 years ago. And it, that's great. And I, this is my neighborhood. I live in this neighborhood. Um, but I was like, yes, this is something contemporary, something that's showing not just the beautiful patrimony of the city, but the way the city, like the present pulse of the city. You've captured a bit of it, which is really great. Okay, now I... Um um, I, I I completely agree. I was uh, I was listening to you, but I was thinking the other two that's, things that's that I, I should say. That's what I was doing. I was just chatting. So, <laughs> so as I said, as I said, uh, while we while you were speaking, I, I was thinking about it, and I think Roscioli stays at number one. Okay. I think definitely you should do a, a scooter tour, but by renting your own scooter, because I think it's a it's an amazing experience to to try to to navigate in the traffic of Rome which is uh, which is um, sometimes unbelievable because it's stressful because but it's a, a very nice experience and I think you should go and have a have a look at the at the football match which oh. is also something a very nice aspect you sono Roman if I need to choose then yeah probably Romanista good answer very very good answer. and so I since it's a city with two with two rival teams, it's uh, it's a nice it's an amazing experience. Well, I I agree with you wholeheartedly on all three. Except I instead of a scooter, I ride a bicycle because I'm helpless on a scooter. I always okay. get distracted. Well, which is but also a big experience. Exactly. <laughs> on on the San Pietrini, a bicycle, it's uh, it's, it's, it's tough. Yeah, I've, it's a I've, lot of workout. Yeah, it definitely is. <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining me. No, I love talking with you, and I can't wait to try Retrovino. 
I will, I will wait for you for Retrovino, and it was a pleasure to talk to you. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Ciao Bella. If you'd like to know more about today's guest, please visit ciaobella.co and click on the podcast link or go directly to ciaobella.co backslash podcast. Want more Italy? You can find all my episodes on iTunes and Spotify and Stitcher. When you have time, subscribe to iTunes and rate the podcast. What are you waiting for? And if you want to be part of the podcast, email me or DM me your Italy questions. To learn more about me and my work, go to my website, ericafirpo.com, and follow my Italy adventures on Instagram at ericafirpo. Ciao, bella! And a very big thank you and hug to Massimiliano Yonta and Disc to Disc Studios, the producers of Ciao, Bella, who continue to make me sound and feel great.